Good morning again. I shared with the earlier service that this was... Did we miss the children's church thing? There we go. I shared with the earlier service that I thought this was a very sad-sounding message. And by the time I got finished preaching at the early service, I thought, wow, that really was sad. Except it is a message of hope in the end. I want you to think about the end of it when we get there because sometimes we... We get caught up in the troubles and the trials of this life and we forget the hope that we have at the end. As I was searching for a, a passage this week to share with, I kind of struggled a little bit and I opened up my Bible and came across this one. And it's a very familiar passage that I have shared many times. It's actually one that I often share at a funeral. So you know how exciting this is getting ready to be. It's one that I've read many times at funerals. And when we hear this, we often think about coming down to the end of our life. Because that's what Paul's talking about. So if you look with me in your Bible, in 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, verses 6 through 8. This is Paul writing to young Timothy. And he's also kind of writing a, not just a letter about just general things, but also almost a farewell. He knows he's in prison, and he knows that death is probably coming very soon. And so he writes this, he says, For I am now ready... To be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. You know, we all know that death could come to us at any time, and we realize that as we live in this world, we have no promise of tomorrow. But he found himself in a situation where he knew this was what was coming. And so he's writing and he's sharing, and he's got that, that burden weighing on his mind, and it says this I have fought a good fight. I often think of this when I, when I read a, or share a funeral and I read this at a funeral. I think, wow, what a great testimony. I have fought a good fight. But in Paul's case, it was I have fought a good fight for the Lord. I have finished my course. He simply shares that I have fought a good fight for the Lord. I have finished my course as I was called to do. I've been obedient. He said, I have kept the faith. Even through the most difficult and troublesome times, Paul kept the faith. And we're going to look a little bit at some of the things that he went through, some of the tribulations, some of the trials that he had to face. Because oftentimes as I go through this, what I think, man, I've got it really hard when something doesn't go right. Or I'm thinking, man, I didn't enjoy that at all. This was difficult. I have no idea what it's like to truly suffer for the gospel. I have no idea what it's like to truly be persecuted for the sake of Christ. And here he begins to share that. So I want you to look with me. He shares part of that story in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 24. This is Paul's account of the things that have happened to him. Now sometimes my wife will say, how did your week go? I was like, well, I went to visit some people. And I was at the office at church this week, and I went to the hospital, and I got to, you know, I got to talk to somebody about the Lord here. And I was like, it's been, a, been a, a taxing week, so to speak. He says, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one, or minus one, if you will. Thrice, three times, was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters. And perils means, think about dangers. Think about troubles in that sense. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers. In perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. 
in weariness. You know, a lot of things I don't really understand that Paul went through. Because I've never been beaten with a rod. I've never had a rock thrown at me with the intention of trying to kill me. I've never had to, to face a lot of those things. And yet sometimes now we begin to see some of the things that maybe we can relate to just a little bit. He says in weariness. We ever get weary? We ever get where we just feel like we just can't go any further? You can imagine that magnified many times over. It says in weariness and painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without. You know, he says, all these different things that I face, he also had something else that he had to face. It says, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Not just where he was serving at there, but you notice Paul was writing letters to different places and had people coming and going and, and sharing different things with him. He carried a great, great, great burden. One of the commentators that I came across, and I hardly ever share anything he writes, but this is the way he described Paul's life from a worldly standpoint. And I want you to keep that in mind. It says, Paul's long day, long day work is nearly done. He is a prisoner in Rome, all but forsaken by his friends, in hourly expectation of death. His horizon was darkened by the sad anticipation of decaying faith and growing corruptions that lay ahead. What a road he had traveled since that day when on his way to Damascus he saw the living Christ and heard the words out of his mouth. And yet, by worldly standards, and I want to highlight that, his life seemed to be a failure. He had suffered the loss of all things, had thrown away position and prospects, had exposed himself to sorrows and to toils, had been all his days a poor man and solitary. Had been hunted, despised, laughed at by Jew and Gentile, worried and badgered even by so-called brethren. Loved the less, the more he loved others. And now the end is near. When I read that and I think about it, I was like, that sounds like one of the saddest stories ever. And yet I want to remind us that Paul is not to be judged by a worldly standard. Paul's hope was not in a standard that is set by the world. Oftentimes we gauge how we're doing by looking around at the other people around us instead of looking up and seeing what the Lord has in store for us. We oftentimes don't realize the great hope that we have. And Paul, even in his most difficult of trials, he still had hope. He still had a great hope in Jesus Christ. He still had a, a desire for a heavenly prize, not just earthly praise and reward. If you look with me back at our passage of Scripture, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse number 8. He talks about, says, you know, I've kept the faith, I've, I've finished my course, I've done all these great things. And he says this, henceforth. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. There's his hope. There's what he was looking forward to. There's what he was excited about. Which, is, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, 
but unto all them also that love his appearing. I think we often forget in today's world that this world is not our home. We often forget that we're just traveling through here. We often plan like we're going to live here forever and ever and ever. We often act like we're never going to have to, to go anywhere else. But this is just a short stop for us, if you will. This is just a path that we're just on temporarily as we go to something hopefully greater and more wonderful to be with Jesus Christ as we follow him faithfully. And when I hear that story about Paul and the, the things that he suffered and the horrible you know, things that happened to him, the truth is I can't hardly relate to all those. Because I don't know what it's like to have a rock thrown at me. I shared that earlier. I don't know what it's like to be beat with a rod. I don't know what it's like to be in a shipwreck. I don't know what it's like to, be, to have those different things happen to me. And I thank the Lord for that. And yet, I and you both still know what it's like to suffer. We still know what it's like to have loss. We still know what difficulties are like. And I want us to understand that we're not the only ones that go through those. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that I wasn't sure about sharing this morning because there's a lot of names in there. And I don't have time to go through every single name and, and describe who they are and what they did and what happened. But I want you to read the other things that Paul suffered. I want you to understand that, that him, like us, he faced a lot of the same things that we do in addition to all these other things that, that he had to face and all these other trials and tribulations. So look with me in verse number 9, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 9. As he writes to Timothy, and he's coming down to the end of his letter here, he writes something very important. He says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. In a sense, he says, Timothy, could you please hurry up and come? And part of the reason he wants him to hurry up and come is, one, he doesn't know how much longer he has to live. He doesn't know how much longer it could be. Any moment the guard could come in and say, okay, now's your time. He's also almost by himself. Here he is in prison, and as he writes, and we're going to see this a little bit later on, he says, only Luke is with me. Everybody else is gone. I'm here by myself, besides Luke. And he begins to tell some of the problems. I'm going to go ahead and read the, the rest of the passage and then we'll go back. In verse number 10, if you'll back it up one more for me, Robbie. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10, he says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. When thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. And then in verse 17 he says something very interesting that we're going to get to at the end. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That by my preaching might be fully known. And that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In those short verses there, we began to see another suffering of Paul that we don't often think about. When we think about Paul, we think about the big picture, the, the big mission trips that he goes on. We think about the big things that he suffered. We think about the heartaches and the different things that he had to face as he was serving Jesus Christ for the cause of the gospel. And yet we also see that just like us, he faced some other things too. He faced some difficulties and some trials. And the first one was this, it hurts when people fail you. You ever think about that? I don't always know, I have no idea, let me say it that way, what it means to be beat with a rod. But I sure do know it hurts when people fail you. I sure do know it hurts when people let us down. And in verse number 10 he says, but Demas hath forsaken me. He says, he has forsaken me, he's gone. He went back to where he was at before. In a sense we don't really know exactly what happened, but it appears that when Paul needed him the most in a sense... He decided that it was too hard. He decided he didn't want to go through that. He didn't want to have to suffer for that. And he had a greater love for the world than he did for the work of Jesus Christ. That is disheartening. And yet you see it every day in the world, don't you? You see people that seem to be running after the pleasures of the world, after the comforts of the world, after the things of the world. That seems to be their greatest desire is to have those things. Demas was a fellow worker with Paul. And when he seemed to need him, when he's in, a, in the prison in his lowest, he forsakes him. He goes back to where it's easier. Now, we don't know exactly what happened or what it was, but we know he left. And we know how much it hurt Paul because it hurts when people fail us. We also read about another man who failed him in a different way. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Now, we don't know exactly what happened there either. There are three people in the Bible named Alexander, and we don't know if they're the same one or not. A lot of scholars believe they are. Some believe they aren't. All we need to know is this man withstood Paul. This man did. It hurts, doesn't it? It's difficult. It just gets you right here, if you will. You know, I've often found that, and I've shared this before, but especially since I had gotten sick and know a little bit more about what pain and suffering is like than what I ever did in my life. I would rather have an arm hurt or a leg hurt than to have my heart hurt. I'd rather have my arm hurt or my leg hurt than to have my mind be preyed on by different things. There seems to be nothing worse than some of those things that oftentimes we face. And Paul here seemed to be hurt down. He's like, he hurt me. It was difficult. It was trials. It should hurt us when we see the kingdom of God not going forward because the ways of the world stand in the way. We should be pushing forward and going forward more. The second thing that I want to point out about Paul is it's hard when separations come. It's difficult whenever he had these separations to come to him. Not only did Demas leave him, and he felt forsaken and hurt by that, but it was hard when his friends had to keep going somewhere else. His friends kept moving on. Now, part of that, he probably sent them to places. Tychicus, he actually sent somewhere, who was a, a trusted fellow worker with Paul. And he was one that, that Paul sent all kinds of places. And even though Paul was in need, he said, you know what? You need to go down here and do this. Titus said, you know what? I've got to go over here. Our calling didn't stop. 
Their calling did not stop just because those things happened. But it's still hard, isn't it? I knew a lady one time, I shared this earlier, I won't share with you her name, but she sat about right here on the front of the church that I pastored several years ago. And I don't remember, but I think it was a Sunday night. And she told a story about one morning she came in and she said, or one evening I think it was, and she said, my grandmother passed away. And she hated so much to give up her grandmother because she loved her grandmother. I think she was a, a great godly example in our life. And it hurt so much to give her up. And yet she also said, I don't know if this is right or not, but I feel so happy for her because she don't have to suffer anymore. As hard as it was for her, as much as that hurt to have to give up that loved one, she said, I'm happy for her. I'm thrilled for her because she's not suffering anymore. She's got peace and joy and comfort like I don't have yet. Even when things are going great, sometimes there's loss that comes in. Sometimes it's hard when those separations come. And just like it was for Paul, we can understand what he's going through. Even though these men were, were going on to do great work for the Lord, he wasn't ever getting out of prison. He missed them. Yet he wanted to see them go forward. No doubt he was thrilled that they were going forward and sharing the gospel. Even in his time of great need, he saw what was most important. He saw that the need to put forth Jesus Christ mattered more than anything else. These were no doubt friends. They were like family. I shared in the earlier service that when I went to Kansas to pastor a church, I had family members who were upset with me, and not just a little bit. They were mad at me for taking the family and moving them away. They were upset with me because they weren't going to get to see the family or get to see us as much. And yet I also had family members who said, you got to go. When God calls, you've got to go. His separation was hard. And yet, that's what you got to do. When I came here, felt the call of the Lord to come here. I had people in Kansas who were very upset with me. Chris, what are you leaving for? I said, because I'm called to go somewhere else. I'm called to be there. I feel like that's what God has got for me on my heart. Yet, it wasn't easy. As much as we love seeing all the people at all the different places... The, the serving the Lord must come first. Separations can be hard. And no doubt, Paul knew that. The third and last thing that I want to bring up, and I told you this sounds like a sad message, but it has a good ending to it. Hope can be hard to see if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Hope can be hard to see in the midst of troubles and trials. And Paul's surrounded by all kinds of different problems, all kinds of different trials, all kinds of heartaches, all kinds of difficulties. It's hard to see the hope that's right there in front of us in Jesus Christ. And yet, in verse number 17, he recognizes that hope. And that's the part that I wanted you to see this morning more than anything else was we need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and realize the hope that we have in him. Last week we, we had a, a message about the pots and I had those pots and I, and I broke them and I tried to tape them back together and I tried to, to glue them back together. And, and the point was you can't do it by yourself. That was the simplest point is you cannot do that alone. I didn't plan that this week. But it almost seems like the message this week is if you run to Jesus Christ you won't be disappointed. 
If you run to Jesus Christ, even in the most difficult of times, even the most difficult of trials, he's still always there. When we look at Paul's life and we see such what the world would call a disaster of a life, giving up the, the power and prestige that he had to go be hungry and be stoned and to, to be beat with rods, you're like, why in the world would you do that? He said, because I got a greater hope. Because I know something that's better there. I have something that's, that's sweeter, if you will. And it's better than all the, the problems, the trials, the tribulations, and the struggles. If you could put verse number 17, excuse me, back up for us there. Paul, after he writes all that long thing, all the loss, all the suffering, all the things that even we can relate to, he says, notwithstanding, I love that word, notwithstanding, the Lord stood by me. Friends, family, people can disappoint us. But he said, the Lord stood by me. I've often told people, I've been preaching for 15, 16, 17 years, and if you listen to me long enough or, or you hang out with me long enough, there'll be something you was like, Chris, I don't like the way you handled that. Like, Chris, you disappointed me over here. You know what? I'll let you down. In some way, something else, you say, he didn't handle it the way I thought he should have. I don't know about that guy. But you know what? Jesus Christ won't ever let you down. That's why it's great to have a wonderful family of God. But you, get, you know who we're supposed to be looking to? It's Jesus Christ. It's not the preacher. It's not to be comparing ourselves to one another. It's to be comparing ourselves to him and following him. And that's what Paul, all of his problems, all of the things that he faced, he says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. I like the idea of with me. I picture him right beside him. I just picture him just standing there helping him. Just being there with him. But then he goes on a little bit more to say even more. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You know what? We'll face things in this life that we don't know the answer to. We'll face things in this life that we don't understand. We will face tribulations and trials and difficulties. And yet we don't have to do it alone. We have a Savior who loves us more than we love ourselves. We have a Savior with great power who can undergird us and, pray and, and strengthen us and help us. And yet so often we seem to go to Him last. We go everywhere else. Sometimes when I have a problem, I ask my wife what the answer is. She's not here. She came to the early service, so I can go ahead and tell this. She doesn't have all the answers. But don't tell her because she thinks she does. Sometimes I have a friend I call when I don't know what the answer is and I'll say, what do you think about this, brother? I value his advice and his knowledge and his wisdom and yet you know what? He doesn't have all the answers either. Sometimes I just ask myself what I think. You ever do that? Self, what do you think you ought to do here? I've got all kinds of good ideas for myself and they usually involve the easiest path that I can think of. I don't have all the answers either. I've realized I still need Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we run everywhere else first instead of running to Jesus Christ. If there's a lesson Paul taught us, 
When, he, when all was said and done, he said, of all the problems, all the different things that I faced, he said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Notwithstanding, and he also strengthened me. He was there with me. He was helping me. He's just the same today, church. He's just the same today. That by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Verse number 18 says this, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. That's a confidence in the Lord that I want to have. That's a confidence in God and His power and what He's able to do. He said, He can take care of me. This is from a guy sitting in prison who all but one of his friends has left him. This is from a guy sitting in prison who says, I know my time here is short. And yet through all of those things, he says, but I've got a hope. And I doubt if he was whispering it. He might have been screaming, I've got a hope. I've got a joy. I've got something to praise the Lord about. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. And I love that last part. To whom be glory. Not Paul. Not the people he was working with. But the Lord. You see in the end. When we trust in him. Allow him to strengthen us. And we give him praise. We're always better off. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 12 kind of gives us an outline of something that we ought to be doing. It says rejoicing in hope. Even in the most difficult of times, church, we can still rejoice in hope. We can still rejoice in the, the, what we had to look forward to. So many times this world gets us down. And I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. But when we're going through difficult times and troubles and trials, look up. Look to Jesus Christ and keep pushing forward because there is something greater out there. This world is not our home. It says be patient in tribulation. I don't want to be patient. And I sure don't want tribulations. Amen. And yet sometimes that's right where we find ourselves, isn't it? And then he probably gives some advice, I guess you could say, that we all need to hear. Continuing in prayer. Following Him and, and following His direction and His guidance. Doing what the Lord's called us to do. As we get ready to get a song of invitation, I, I announced this very shortly last week. And my wife was confused when I got home. I told last week that starting tomorrow, I'm going to have two prayer meetings. And she said, you mean you're going to have a prayer meeting every day for the next month and a half? And I said, no, 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 just on Mondays. But every Monday at 9 o'clock in the morning and at 7 o'clock at night, I'm going to be here at the church. And one, I'm going to be praying all, those, all during the day. I'm going to be reading and praying and working on different things. But I want to stop and I'm going to have a special, you can call it corporate prayer, whatever it is, at 9 o'clock and at 7 o'clock. And I want to invite anyone that wants to come. If one person shows up, we'll have prayer together. If nobody shows up, just look at the clock and say, I know the preacher's praying for me right now. Because you know what? I think we need to have a greater understanding of the strength, the power, the grace, the mercy of God. I want to see God move among us in a great way.
I want to see God encourage us in a great way. I want to see God call us to more in a great way, if you will. So we're going to spend some time in prayer. Spend some time reaching out and talking to God. Because I'm going to tell you something. This world needs the hope that Jesus Christ offers. And I'm going to tell you, churches need to remember the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. That that we already have through Him. We need to remember those things. I want us to be lifted up. I told you it sounded like a sad message. But in the end, we win. In the end, the suffering's over. If, if we have Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Do you have Him as your Savior this morning? Is there something on your heart this morning that you'd like to pray about? As we get ready to get a song... We often worry about a lot of things in this world, but are we worried about the things that matter most? Paul showed us that no matter what happens, we can still keep our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ.